The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. You thought there was a lot of offense yesterday? Well, how about this? Trey Turner hit for his third cycle of his career. On his birthday, no less, we had 20 runs scored in a game by the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers scored 15 unanswered runs after going down seven zip in the first inning. Baseball. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, July 1st. We're here. We made it. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers. It was a wild and wacky end to a strong offensive June. And I'll have finalized stats for the month on tomorrow's podcast. But it was a crazy one, Chris. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen so far in June is the highest scoring month of the season out of the three so far. April saw 4.25 runs per game per team. May was 4.41. And then June was 4.64. Now to put that in context, April of 2019 was 4.63 runs per game and June of 2019 was 4.97. So still uh, a ways off from that. But, you know, between the weather warming up and I think pitchers being a little less effective overall. We definitely have seen more offense, although the pitching numbers haven't really changed that much since the, whatever we're calling it, the crackdown, the great crackdown. The crackdown. Sarah's had a a piece on the athletic and I did something a little earlier this week looking at some of the trends and so far, at least the impact seems pretty minimal and on a population level. Yeah, I think what's happening there, Chris, is that just the really bad pitchers have gone back to being really bad, right? So we had all these pitchers like overperforming earlier on in the season. It seemed like we had maybe 50 or 60 starting pitchers that were not elite, but like viable starting pitchers. I don't know that we can say that anymore, but I think a lot of those pitchers that were awesome early on in the season are kind of falling by the wayside. And we're starting to see, you know, the elite pitchers that are, I guess, not dealing with all the sticky stuff because those guys have been okay. But everyone else is like, those elite pitchers are kind of just doing their thing. One of them is not Aaron Nola. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But let's just start with Trey Turner, who is like way better than, oh my goodness gracious, you know, he oh my goodness gracious is not worthy of Trey Turner. What he did, he hit for his third cycle of his career on his 28th birthday. And speaking of birthdays, Chris, it's your birthday this weekend and you're going away. So we won't be like near each other. I won't be at your birthday party. Unfortunately, I don't know if you're having one, but happy birthday, bud. Have you ever hit for a cycle on your birthday? 
I have never hit for a cycle on my birthday or anyone's birthday. Uh, I did go two for three at my most recent softball game. So, you know, that's kind of like hitting for the cycle. I thought we were going to play softball together, but what happened, Chris? I I, can't, I asked you a few times if you wanted to play, and you said no. I'm pretty sure I said I'm going to yeah. sign up for another one later on. <laughs> Let me know, man. I'm down no, to play. Yeah. All right, I got to go. I'll see you. <laughs> We'll figure it out. Anyway, Trey Terriner hits for the third cycle of his career, and not only did he accomplish that feat, but he also added two more steals. So normally that would be uh, a sock and two shoes, but considering he also had a cycle, I don't know what what is that like a whole new outfit? Is that a new wardrobe? It's it's got to be something like that. Because I think that I think the kids call it a fit. A fit. Right. I think that's 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 what we're going with. So yeah. if you ever hit for a cycle and Steal two bases. It's a fit. That's what we're going with from now on. But yeah. Trey Turner is batting 318 this year with 14 homers and 18 steals. That is a 28 homer, 36 steal pace. And he's also tied for the National League lead with 100 hits. He did jam his middle finger, uh, but he said after the game that he felt all right. He's day to day as of now. Uh, but I would argue, Chris, that Trey Turner is the fifth most valuable hitter in fantasy behind Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero, and Shohei Otani. And honestly, maybe in Roto, he's more valuable than Vlad just because of the steals. Yeah, I have him a little lower than that in points. And then in Roto, I do think he's in that range. I might have DeGrom ahead of him. Um, yeah, I have DeGrom ahead of him, but he is uh, he is fifth for me, actually. But that is, oh, in Roto, I don't have Vlad quite that high, yeah. We're going to be pre-recording a podcast for that will be released on Monday, July 5th, and we're going to basically redraft the first two rounds for the rest of the season. I know that was an article that Scott just put out, so it's going to be interesting to see where Trey Turner falls on that, but the guy is awesome. I don't really know that we need to add anything more than that. Let's get into the rest of Wednesday's action. Oh my good goodness gracious! Chris just cut out, so we're going to wait for him to uh, come back, but in the meantime, I will bring up Aaron Nola, and there is the great Chrissy Poo and people sending in tweets and emails and worried about him. And rightfully so. I mean, we talk about him basically after every one of his clunkers. It looked like maybe he was back on track after his last start where he had 12 strikeouts, but up against the Marlins on Wednesday, four and two thirds, nine hits, seven runs, 11 strikeouts, which was weird because he only had 10 swinging strikes. And I didn't watch the entire start. I watched like the second half of it, but apparently early on the umpire was like, Really strike helping out. Yeah, it was not a good one, strike yeah. zone and very favorable for Aaron Nola. He still has. Although, tw- hey, that's part of being a good pitcher. You yeah. know, if this if the ump's going to give you the borderline calls and you've got command like Aaron Nola does, that's a that's an advent advantage you can take advantage of. <laughs> it's an advantageous position to be this, in for a starting pitcher. This is just a. This was a really weird start, though. It really was. He it, he only gave up four hard hit balls. Uh, one of them was a home run. He gave up a 95 mile per hour home run. And then, uh, actually only two home runs. He gave up two solo homers. Yeah. Yeah. Four hard hit balls, two solo homers and somehow gave up seven runs. Didn't walk anyone. I I, like that. That's such a weird out. That's such a weird start. Seven runs in less than five innings, two solo home runs, no walks. How does that happen? Well, you know, he had a, (laughs) Like three singles allowed with an exit velocity below 70 miles per hour. 
I'm pretty so sure they all came in his final ending of work too, because I was watching it and it was just bloop after bloop. Yeah. He had a 600 BABIP in this start on only four hard hit balls. His XFIP yeah. actually went down after this start. 3.27 is the XFIP on the season for Aaron Nola. So a lot of people are asking, like, what's wrong with Aaron Nola? And we kind of keep saying the same thing. I think what I've seen from him this year, the command and the control, I think both have been a little bit shaky at times. It's not really reflected in the walks, but if you watch when he misses inside the zone, those are games where he gets hit hard and he gives up home runs. So I think that is what's happened to him at times this year. His changeup has not been nearly as good as it was last season. That's part of the reason why I had Aaron Nola as my SP4 coming into the season because that changeup unlocked everything last year. Aaron Nola does not have a good fastball. It's mediocre at best. And... That changeup helped everything else play up last year. And I was hoping that that would carry over. It hasn't happened. So it's been like a much more hittable pitch. In general, I would still bank on Aranola being a sub 3.5 ERA pitcher rest of season. And I yeah. said that before, but I'm going to stick with what the numbers are saying here, Chris. I'm overall still not that worried on Aranola, and I would be looking to buy him. I agree with that, and especially after this start, which was such a strange start, like we said earlier. I think this is actually an opportunity to buy, like you said. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for you from Wednesday, Chris. Who you got? Uh, Let's talk about Shohei Otani. I don't know how much there is to take away from it, but he was just dreadful. Seven earned runs in two-thirds of an inning, four walks, including each of the first three batters, I'm pretty sure. Um, Watching the start, I was actually very excited. I was like, told my wife like hey we're gonna we're gonna sit down and watch some baseball tonight because usually when i watch baseball it's by myself and she'll watch something else but i was like we're gonna watch this together because this guy is awesome and um she was (laughs) very (laughs) underwhelmed by this historically great player and watching the start i thought his velocity was down a little bit you know it, it seemed like it was a lot of 93 94 but his velocity was actually up today. He averaged 96.1 with the fastball. Obviously, it's only one inning and 41 pitches, but that wasn't the issue. He just did not have command of any of his pitches. Uh, you know, even the splitter, he got a couple whiffs with it. Um, I think they were on back to back pitches to Rugnet Odor, and that was it. Um, he just didn't have a feel for his pitches. I think he hit someone as well. It yep. was just, I don't know if it was. Uh, the, the mystique of Yankee Stadium getting to him or, or something like that. You know, maybe he got a little too pumped up in his first time pitching at Yankee Stadium. I don't know. But it's worth worth mentioning how bad he was, worth mentioning that there are still times, you know, his command was iffy earlier in the season. There are apparently still times when that can get away from him. So, yeah, that's, that's why he's a much more valuable player as a hitter uh, than a pitcher. The hitting hasn't slumped. Yeah. And if you have him in a league where he's only one player, you could probably fast forward because you're never going to use him as a starting pitcher. It's just, I have him in a few leagues like that. I think I've only used him as a pitcher once, and that's because there was three games in the National League on the schedule for that week, and he was pitching against the Diamondbacks or something. So it was like a really good matchup. But outside of that, I've used him as a hitter all season long. And I think we were kind of spoiled by this last two-month stretch where he looked awesome as a starting pitcher, really pitching at an elite level as an ace. And we kind of are reminded here about uh, what the downside could be for Shohei Otani. Four walks and a hit by pitch, as you mentioned, Chris, did not escape the first inning there. I think he's still a top 40-ish borderline 
starting yeah. pitcher uh, rest of season. But those are only for leagues where if he's a different player. I know in Yahoo, they have him pitcher eligible. I think in ESPN, you might get points for both as just one player, which is actually pretty awesome. So <laughs> uh, I've got to talk to someone on the on the like programming side of things in CBS because I've been pining for that to happen. Let's just talk about a whole bunch of situations real quick. Like just the entire day of, oh my goodness gracious, performances because I mentioned what the Brewers did. They were down seven zip in the first inning. The Cubs had a 95% win probability going into the bottom of the first inning. The Brewers scored 15 unanswered runs. So let's take a look of, uh, at how they did that damage. Luis Arias, four for five with a double dong, and he ends his June batting 284 with five homers, a steal, an 875 OPS, solid plate discipline on the year, two, uh, 10% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate, a little bit above league average. He's 39% rostered, Luis Arias, second base, third base, shortstop eligibility, seven games next week. Chris, I know for a while that you have wanted Luis Arias to be a thing. It feels like he's kind of figuring it out. I, you know, I'm not expecting him to be like a 875 OPS player rest of season, but can he be, I don't know, high 700s, maybe an 800 OPS kind of bat? Maybe. I'm kind of interested with this position eligibility. It's funny. His, uh, his average exit velocity in the month of June was actually his lowest of the season at 85.6 miles per hour. Um, All right, so forget everything I just said now. <laughs> his expected WOBA is was only 302 in the month. Um, I guess this might not be including, this probably isn't including today, where presumably he did have a couple of hard hit balls if he hit uh, two home runs. But I do think there is, there's definitely, and the fact that he is, Eligible at so many positions. He had three hard hit balls today. Um, so, you know, that's a good sign. The fact that he is a pretty good contact hitter, the fact that he's playing in uh, Miller Park, which is a great place to hit. You know, his his home runs have been pretty much all to the pull side uh, with the exception of one of them. And so, you know, if you're going to have middling power, hitting a lot of balls to the pull side is one way to get the most out of it. And maybe that's, you know, what he's doing. His launch angle is up to 13.9 degrees on average. It's the highest it's been in any of his seasons so far. Um, hard hit rate is 39%. That's actually, you know, it's not elite, but it's close to average. So I, I think there is a chance he can be a, a starting caliber fantasy player, given that usage, especially in a, a Roto league. But even in a points league, he might be a nice player to have around just to to fill in some gaps for you. Yeah, I mean, if you play in a league that uses a Roto-style lineup, middle infielder, corner infielder, just something that deep, regardless of format, I think he's someone yeah. you want to have your on your roster, especially in a daily lineup league where he can fill in all these different positions. Again, that is Luis Arias. The other one, Willie Adamas, who we have talked a lot about recently, but that roster rate is still too low, 47% rostered is Willie Adamas. He hit a grand slam, and in 37 games with the Brewers, he's now batting 282 with seven homers and 28 RBI. That is a 28 home run, 113 RBI pace, over 150 games. And he also has a 91 mile per hour exit velocity and a 30% line drive rate since he has joined the Brewers. A lot to like here, Chris. I actually told someone on Twitter that I would drop if I play in a shallower league and I just need someone to start, 
I would drop Glaber Torres and Eugenio Suarez for Willie Adamas. I think that's fair. I was actually on the uh, NBC Sports Edge podcast with Chris Crawford earlier today, and I think I said the same thing about uh, Glaber for for Willie Adamas. So yeah, I would do that. Another name here to mention, Jace Peterson, just uh, super deep leagues. He went two for four with three RBI in that game. He started four straight games. He has seven hits with five RBI and one steal during that stretch. Exactly 0% rostered on CBS. So, <laughs> and only leagues, the deepest of formats. Uh, Jace Peterson getting some run There's here. Some speed there. Yes. Uh, and now for the bad. Got to take the go with the bad. Christian Yelich in a game where they scored 15 runs. Christian Yelich went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. So we talk him up yesterday, and then he does this. Prospect Aaron Ashby, who we mentioned was being promoted, uh, he did not escape the first inning, and he was bad. But there was also like a rough error behind him, which extended the inning. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like 0.2, seven runs, four of those were earned. For Aaron Ashby, now on to the, Bra- uh, the Braves, who had 20 runs on 20 hits. Each of Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, and Austin Riley had at least three hits in this game. And then Ronald Acuna hit his 22nd home run of the season. All right, ho-hum, he's awesome. Ozzy Albies, Chris, five for six, two dingers, a steal. That's two socks and a shoe. He added seven RBI and four runs scored in this game. He's now up to 15 homers and 11 steals. Since May 1st, Ozzy Albies has been the real deal. Everything that you wanted from him and then some. Yeah, the thing I'm trying to figure out, um, do you know by by chance what uh, what handedness the pitchers that he hit his home runs off today were? I know one of them was a position player. I think it was off of Albert Almora. <laughs> so he's a righty. <laughs> yes. Um, I, so Scott and I were actually talking about this the other day, how Ozzy Albies just has like these weird splits where he's actually great as a right-handed batter against left-handed yeah. pitching. And just not nearly as good as a left-handed batter against right-handed pitching. Uh, but yes, one of them was against Albert Almora. The other one was, oh man, Japuki? Japuki? S-Z-A-P-U-C-K-I. That gentleman is who he hit a home run. I have no idea how to pronounce that. But yeah, he has a 757 OPS against righties for his career, 949 against lefties for his career. So that's a very dramatic split. Um, this guy throws Last season, lefty. he actually didn't hit lefties at all. Sorry, what was that, Frank? This guy throws lefty. Japucky. Uh, sounds like a hockey name. Um, <laughs> and he's continued to hit lefties better this season, but uh, 780 OPS against righties. That is better than we've seen from him in the past, and it looks like uh, his strikeout rate's a little under 20%. He's walking a decent amount. Um, and that 780 OPS comes with a 257 BABIP, so... You know, maybe that is uh, a place that he's improving. And if that's the case, then, you know, Ozzy Albies could be taking a step forward. But I think that's going to be the key. If he can be, if he could be an 800 OPS bat against righties, that would, you know, that would open up a lot for him. Man, looks like I've just seen a ghost, but something, uh, very similar to just seeing ghosts. I will update you on that in just a second. But uh, Freddie Freeman, along with Ozzy Albies, yeah, just to put a bow on it, he's on pace for 30 homers, over 20 steals. I always kind of thought he had this upside. I, I don't know if he's going to keep up this pace because he's just been so awesome in the month of June. But yes, this is the, 
I think the best version of Ozzy Albies that we've seen. Hopefully, uh, he can continue to improve against uh, right-handed pitchers. Freddie Freeman went three for three with four runs. He has 13 hits over his last seven games. So finally, some of that bad Babbitt luck is being reversed. Austin Riley, who has really cooled off, had three singles and three RBI. And one thing to add about Freddie Freeman is his uh, his poll rate early on was very low. It's up to 44% in the month of June, or it finished the month of June, I guess at at least 44%. We'll see what it is after today. But, you know, that's a, that's a key for him because in 2019, it was 40%. In 2020, it was 37%. This year overall, it's down to 34. It was, you know, below 32% before the month of June. So it's easier to hit for power. Obviously, when you hit it to the pull side, I think that's generally accepted. But in his case, because he hits so many line drives, it also, you know, helps him overcome any deficiencies when it comes to the shift. Because he can, if you hit a a line drive, you can still hit it over the shift. Yes. So, uh, I mean, look, we've been talking about him as a buy low player all season long. I'm kind of like out of it right now because I'm trying to find out what is going on with a role this Chapman. he just allowed his first grand slam of his career. So he is like broken right now. Like as great as he was in the first two months of the season in June, I don't know if it's like a sticky substance situation or I guess it wouldn't surprise me because obviously his teammate Garrett Cole was using something, but like all of the regression is hitting our oldest Chapman at once. And the walks are way up again. Just gave up a grand slam to Jared Walsh. Stupid me the other day saying uh, Jared Walsh was like a sell high candidate. But, uh, yeah, Aroldis Chapman, they just blew a four-run lead in the top of the ninth inning. That game is still going because there was a rain delay. There's been, like, a bunch of rain throughout the country today. So, uh, yeah. whatever happens in this game, yeah, we were four games delayed by rain at one point today. Yeah, it was it was brutal. Um, but whatever happens in this game, uh, we'll keep Dylan you updated. Dylan Bundy pitched today. Dylan Bundy had to pitch in relief because... Um, Shohei Otani didn't make it out of the first inning, of course, and just completely messes everything up because at that point, it becomes a National League game for the yeah. Los Angeles Angels there. So, yeah, just a really weird game all around for the for the Angels and Yankees. Before we hit news and notes, just want to remind everyone that if you're watching us live on YouTube, you can subscribe, and we would appreciate that. If you are not watching us live, you should still subscribe. Anyway, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Hit that uh, big red subscribe button, the notification bell. You get notified every time we go live or a video drops. So you can also have access to our Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 podcast, which we do in a video form as well. And speaking of which, Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. If you haven't, make sure to download and follow uh, wherever you find this podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. It's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, just a lot quicker in only five minutes. So it's like a Spark Notes version of this podcast. The news and notes from Wednesday after going three for five with two steals. Juan Soto left Wednesday's game due to a cramp in his left leg. He has not been hitting for power recently, but did have a 922 OPS in June. So it was like kind of a mixed bag. A lot of that power came earlier on in the month, but he's still hitting for a high batting average. So it's been a nice turnaround so far for Juan Soto. Jose Ramirez was out of the lineup for game two of Cleveland's double header after fouling a ball off of his face in game one. It was one of the weirdest things that I've seen because he didn't, it's not like the ball hit the ground and then like popped back up and hit him in the face. The ball just hit off of Jose Ramirez's bat. He swung at a pitch that was like super inside and it just popped right up into his cheek. Never seen it before. 
It was very interesting. Hope he, hopefully he's all right. Should be. Shane Bieber isn't expected to resume throwing for a week or two. He remains without a timetable uh, when it comes to that strained shoulder. Blake Snell was placed on the IL with a non-COVID illness. He was scratched from Tuesday's start because of it. Uh, Jose Urquidy was placed on the IL with right shoulder discomfort. The Astros could stick with a five-man rotation or add Christian Javier to the mix. I saw that Javier was pitching in relief once again on Wednesday, but he is an option if they want to go back to that six-man rotation. Chris Sale looked, quote, really good while throwing a live batting practice session on Wednesday. He's scheduled to throw another live batting practice next week in Florida before the Red Sox send him out on a rehab assignment. Chris Sale will likely make four or five rehab outings before returning, which maybe that means we see him by the end of July. I think early August is probably more realistic. Sale is up to 81% rostered. Chris, should that be 100%? No, because there's probably, you know, roughly 15% of leagues that have really limited IL spots. And if you, you know, if you're in a league where you only have like two or three IL spots, it's really hard to, to justify hanging on to a guy like this. Um, I'm in one league with only three IL spots and my bench is basically injured players in your mean Mercedes right now. <laughs> I, I I have been able to hang on to Jesus Lazardo so far, but I think I'm going to have to drop him because it's, it's Zach Allen and, and your mean Mercedes are the only players I have active on my bench right now. If you're in a situation like that, it's obviously much harder to justify stashing Chris sale, but I mean, he could come back for the last two months of the season, make 11 starts and strike out 100 batters. You know, that that's the kind of upside we're talking about here. You know, last time we saw him, he wasn't quite as good as we're used to, but he still, I think, was leading baseball in strikeouts when he went down. So, um, yeah, Chris Hale, if you can spare the roster space, absolutely, Adam. Yeah, I saw in that same report that he was averaging 94 to 95 miles per hour on his fastball. So that's way up from the last time we saw Chris Sale. And you know what's funny, actually, Chris? I go back and listen to a lot of the uh, 2019 podcasts that you did with Adam Azer just to get an Mm -hmm. idea of like how he did things. And a lot of your conversations were about Chris Sale because he was just a very... Scott and I disagreed big time on Chris Sale. He he was on the Chris Sale is fine bandwagon and I was very much on the... Chris Sale is giving up way too much hard contact. And, you know, we were both kind of wrong, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Garver has resumed baseball activities, but is not expected back before the All-Star break. Michael Kopech was reinstated and is expected to work out of the White Sox bullpen again. He's 64% rostered. For those who need ratios and strikeouts in categories leagues, if you play in a points league, I just don't see how Michael Kopech is going to have much value Unless he get, works his way back into the rotation. But. Becomes the closer or gets in the rotation. That's the only way. Yeah, it's going to take an injury for that to happen, I think. Uh, Mark Hanna doesn't have any structural damage in his left hip, but has received PRP injections to both hips. He doesn't have a clear timeline yet. He was awesome when he played this year. Patrick Wisdom is managing right neck tightness and a left eye contusion after he collided with Tyrone Taylor at first base. He is day-to-day. David Peterson for the Mets left Wednesday's start with right side soreness. Tony Santion was optioned to AAA by the Reds. He's expected to rejoin the team later on in the season to work out of the bullpen. Harrison Bader will be activated Thursday in Colorado. He's 11% rostered and had four homers and three steals in 22 games earlier in the season. So 
some power, some speed, if you play in a deeper categories league. Again, the name there, Harrison Bader. Cole Calhoun was removed from his rehab appearance Tuesday due to a possible setback with his left hamstring. And some prospect updates from Tuesday's action. I haven't looked at Wednesday's yet. But Jared Kelnick went three for five with a home run. Jaron Duran had a double dong. Not sure what else he needs to do for the Red Sox to call him up. A pair of 19-year-olds in Marco Luciano and... Uh, with the Giants and Noel V. Marte with the Seattle Mariners, each hit a pair of home runs at A-ball. And Blue Jays GM Ross Atkins said that Nate Pearson is away from the team this week to receive another medical opinion on his injured right groin. Team president Mark Shapiro made a similar announcement last week, which makes at least five medical opinions on Nate Pearson's groin injury. So, don't know how many doctors you need to tell you the same thing, I guess, but... Apparently, there's some kind of like underlying issue, and it's just a really rough go. If you have Nate Pearson in Keeper or Dynasty Leagues, I have him in the Scott White Dynasty League, and I would be lying if I said that I felt optimistic about Nate Pearson at this point in his yeah. career. Let's do a little buy or sell here, Chris, involving some of the other top standouts from Wednesday. And let's start with Paul Goldschmidt, who went three for five with two doubles on Wednesday, and... In the month of June, he was much better. 281 batting average, five homers, an 839 OPS. And uh, he has a career-high exit velocity and hard hit rate. So it's kind of weird that he has slumped as much as he has this season. His 525 expected slug, Paul Goldschmidt, his highest since 2018. He's currently slugging 415. So he is underperforming that by over 100 points. Is Paul Goldschmidt a top 12 first baseman rest of season? First base is not great, but it's possible. I'm trying to see, you know, where I have him ranked. It sound I, I would imagine it's pretty close to that. Yeah, yeah, he's a top twelve first baseman. Yeah, you're confident yeah. in that because I his ranking's kind of all over the place for us. Scott has him down at I think twenty first at the position. I think it's just based a lot on like what he's done this year. I have him eleventh <clears throat> ahead of some names like Yuli Gurriel, Luke Voigt. So. It's close. Like I, I could, you know, if Yuli Gurriel keeps up what he's been doing, and Luke Voigt kind of gets back to the player, or close to the player he was last year, then yeah, yeah, I could probably push Goldschmidt out there. But you're saying you're sticking with him, top twelve. Yep. Yeah, I buy it. All right, Paul Goldschmidt uh, averaging two point six fantasy points per game this year, but hopefully a strong June can carry over. Buy or sell? You can drop Robbie Grossman for Akil Badu in a points league. Akil Badu had three more hits. And he ends June with a 14% walk rate and a 17% strikeout rate. Seems like he sacrificed some power for contact, which isn't a terrible thing. Uh, he's still running quite a bit, too, Akil Badu. He's 42% rostered, has seven road games next week. Uh, Robbie Grossman is eight for his last 58 and now has a sub-700 OPS in two of the first three months of the season. He's still 65% rostered, Chris. Buy or sell, you can drop Grossman for Akil Badu. Uh, I think that's okay, but you know the thing that holds Badu back in a points league is just that he's not an everyday player. Um, you know, I, I think he's not starting against most lefties, and so I'm buying the Robbie Grossman part of this, dropping him. Badu, I think he's much more of a, a roto player at this point. I see why you say that because he steals, but like his plate discipline is so great for points leagues. But you're right. I mean, yeah, he doesn't play it's every day. Just the playing time for me. Uh, so I do think you could drop Robbie Grossman, maybe, maybe not in deeper leagues, but and he's been like 
he had a great May. Outside of that, he's been pretty mediocre. So if you were looking for, uh, and if there's an outfielder available that you're pretty interested in, like, would you do it for Jesus Sanchez, Chris? Jesus Sanchez had a pretty good game on Wednesday. He went two for five with a double, two RBI. He had two batted balls over 104 miles per hour. Would you drop Grossman for Jesus Sanchez? That's fine. Yeah, I mean, again, Sanchez, I'm not sure he's going to be a, uh, you know, must-start guy in a points league, but, it, you know, it's it's mostly about my lack of enthusiasm for Grossman at this point. All right, buy or sell. Max Freed is better than Kyle Hendricks rest of season. Max Freed returned on Wednesday against the Mets. Five innings, two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. He had 13 swinging strikes on 74 pitches with... The most balanced arsenal that I've seen from him, he threw four different pitches between 18% and 32% of the time. Velocity, spin rates all looked fine from his first start back. So buy or sell, Chris. Max Fried is better than Kyle, Kyle Hendricks rest of season. I think it's pretty close. I don't have a super strong opinion about it the other way, but I'll lean towards Hendricks. Um, Hendricks has been awesome since the start of May. Uh, you know, remember how bad he was early on. Had... Three walks in two of his first three starts gave up, had a 754 ERA in the month of May or in the month of April. 11 starts since the start of May. He has a 283 ERA. He's got a 1.1 whip. He's been Kyle Hendricks since a bad start. So I'll stick with Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, me too. I'll. I'll- they're very similar in that they do a really good job of inducing soft contacts. Yes. Max Freed gets a few more strikeouts, but he also walks more. So it's kind of like, all right, there's one pro, there's one con there for Max Freed. And I was thinking about it earlier. The way that I view Max Freed is, is kind of similar to Jose Barrios. Now, I think Barrios is a little bit more valuable because he goes deeper into his starts. But I kind of just think they are what they are. Like Barrios and Freed... They're not really ever going to get better. I don't know that they're going to get worse unless, obviously, like as they get older, of course they will, but they're just solid SP3s. Like in my mind, it's that's what Jose Brios and Max Fried are at this point. And I don't think anything's really going to change it. I think they're fine. It's just they don't have a ton of upside. Yeah. The one thing this season and, and really the last two seasons is Fried just hasn't been a strikeout pitcher. He's been about average. Um, and this season, the results on contact have not been nearly as good as they were last season. Last season, he was one of the best in baseball at limiting hard contact. This season, you know, the average exit velocity against is very good, but the ex- expected Wobon contact has risen from 277 to 383. And so, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's up with that. The hard hit rate is up a little bit, but, you know, it could just be he's kind of living on the margins when it comes to that because he doesn't get many strikeouts. But, you know, I, I trust Kyle Hendricks' ability to, to limit hard contact more than Freed's. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Trent Grisham had a double dong on Wednesday, including a grand slam off of a lefty. They actually called this game in the sixth inning because of rain. It was one of those games that we were talking about. What I noticed with Trent Grisham, kind of weird, he has not stole a, ba- uh, a base since returning from the IL. He yeah. was on the IL with a heel bruise, so that could be the reason why. Chris, buy or sell Trent Grisham is a top 15 outfielder rest of season. Um, I don't, I think that one's really close, but there are some really good signs. And in particular, he's hitting 244 with an 893 OPS against lefties this season. And that includes just a 21.8% strikeout rate. That is huge for Trent Grisham. And if he can keep that up, 
Yeah, he's going to be a top 15 outfielder rest of the season. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. I think it's, it, I'll sell it for now. And I, I like Christian quite a bit coming into the season. I know yeah. that you were actually skeptical on him coming into the year, but his lineup context has changed a little bit. He's not leading off anymore. That's Tommy Pham. He's been moved down, but he's batting fifth in the lineup quite consistently there for the Padres. So the run total goes, goes down. The RBI total goes up. Maybe that's also a reason why he's not running as much as before. But I think as he gets healthier, hopefully as the heel gets healthier, the Padres, they just run so much as a team that, I have to imagine the Steels are going to bounce back for Trent Grisham. So I'll sell top 15 for now. I think he's just outside of that. I have him like 18th or 19th in my rankings. But as he gets healthier, I think we can he can jump back inside that top 15. Chris, DJ LeMahieu had a double, a walk, and three RBI on Wednesday. And he hit 294 with four home runs in June. Buy or sell, DJ LeMahieu is almost back. He's not back, but he's almost back. Yeah, it depends on what we mean by back. Even with that, in the month of June, he had a 788 OPS. That's a far cry from what we uh, saw from him both in 2019 and 2020. So I still think he is a diminished version of the player he was when he you know, made the, the leap to fantasy stardom over the last couple of seasons. But <clears throat> you know, he's better than he was in the first couple of months, for sure. Do you think he's a buy-low candidate? Would you actually try and acquire him yourself? Depends what I can get. You know, if someone still views him as like a top 50 player, then I, I don't think I would try to get him. But, um, you know, if whoever has him on their team is frustrated enough and you can buy low, you know, truly low, then yeah, I would try to do that because I think he will be a great source of batting average with good counting stats. But I, I think the power issues are going to remain. Somebody tweeted at me earlier and they asked, about a trade offer that they received, and they were giving up Tyler Malley and Gio Urshela for DJ LeMahieu and Martin Perez, and they thought it was a slam dunk. And I, I was like, eh, I would want a better second piece than Martin Perez. Yeah. I, I thought Tyler uh, Malley straight up for LeMahieu was a fair trade. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, you know Urshela. It's just a what's his injury right now? Been like fighting through something like a shin or a calf. Yeah, like I think it's a shin. Um, because I, I also, you know, Arshella is someone who I think is better than he's played so far. He had a really and, good June, uh, actually. Yeah, so I, I'm fine with Arshella as a either middle infielder or corner infield in a 12 team roto. So, you know, Martin Perez, I don't really have much interest in at all in a standard <laughs> league. So, uh, I definitely think it's a little unbalanced. Yeah. All right, good. Thanks, Chris. You made me feel better about that one. Yasmani Grandal had a double dong on Wednesday. And talk about June. A lot of hitters bouncing back in June. Yasmani Grandal was one of them. He hit 260 with eight home runs in the month of June. That sounds a lot like Yasmani Grandal. So, Chris, buy or sell. Yasmani Grandal is back to being a top five catcher in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, especially in a points league because he... He plays so much. He gets on base so much. Um, I mean, 59 walks. That is. Does he, does he still lead baseball walks? He's walked in a quarter of his plate appearances. His, That's amazing. His walk rate in May in particular, I think, was almost 30%, Chris. I, something had to be going on where he couldn't swing the bat or something where he was just <laughs> walking because I've never seen that for an entire month. A 30% walk rate? That's insane. I'm sure Barry Bonds had some months like that. Well, that's uh, true, but I wasn't playing fantasy non back Barry then. Bonds <laughs> category. Yeah, there, there's probably not too many of those. Um, I believe he had an infield hit yesterday. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he has one infield hit on the season, which is amazing. He is <laughs> always going to be a very low batting average player, but 180 is still too low. I think he's someone who can be, you know, if he hits 230, he's definitely a top five catcher. And I think he will moving forward. Again, he hit 260 in June. I'm not expecting that, but the usual, right? Like you said, 230, 240. That's kind of what you expect out of Yasmani yeah. Grandal. And he's actually crushing the ball this year. When he puts it in play, 93 mile per hour average exit velocity. That is in the 95th percentile yep. in all of baseball. The infield hit that you mentioned, Chris, spectacular. Because Yasmani Grandal, one of the slowest hitters in baseball, a 6% sprint speed. So... <laughs> That is truly a remarkable feat. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, some would-you-rathers next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. So let's start with Bryce Harper versus Nick Castellanos. Rest of season. Harper had a double dong on Wednesday and in 20 games since returning from the IL. He's batting 282, six homers, 10% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. Seems like Bryce Harper is getting healthier-ish. Uh, Nick Castellanos also hit his 16th home run of the season. And he's batting 346 on the year. So, Chris, who would you rather have rest of the season, Bryce Harper or Nick Cassianos? It's Harper for me, though. The question is, you know, whether he's going to, um, you know, get back to running after all the injuries that he's dealt with. He did have three stolen bases in the month of June. That's a good sign. Um, so, you know, that's like a 25 home steal pace. That's basically what he's been on. He was on like, so basically, since coming back from the injury, he's on like a 40 homer, 25 steal pace. RBI haven't been there. Walk rate's been a little low, but I think you add it all up, and Harper's the the better overall player. All right. As of now, both Scott and I have Nick Castellanos ranked ahead of Bryce Harper, so it is very, very close. Uh, I have Castellanos ranked one spot higher. And, Chris, you have Castellanos down as as your 10th outfielder. What do you do to you, man? Yeah. That seems reasonable. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to give you nothing in speed. He, but he's just also like as good as he is, he's not going to keep hitting 350. You know, he might be up to 360 at this point, actually. Um, 346 for the year. Yeah. So, like, the, the guys I have ahead of him, okay, maybe Chris Bryant can, can move down a couple spots. Maybe Kyle Tucker can as well. Yeah. I guess I could move him up a little bit, but I'm going to keep Bryce Harper ahead of him. I'm sticking with that one. All right. Yeah, I do think it's very close. That's why I asked the question. John Gray or Colby Allard as a two-star week, uh, two-star pitcher next week. Who would you rather, John Gray 
on Wednesday against the Pirates. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. He's got a 3.89 ERA on the season. Colby Allard up against the Oakland A's. He allowed three runs in the first and then settled down. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts. Uh, Colby Allard has a 3.66 ERA since becoming a starter. That is six starts now. He's 18% rostered. So, Chris, who would you rather have as a a two-star pitcher next week? John Gray or Colby Allard? Uh, Colby Allard has had some really, really significant drops in his spin rate. Um, So that's a little concerning. I I just think he's kind of just a guy. And John Gray, for the most part, is too. But I'll take John Gray. I think he's a more talented player. Both of his starts next week do come on the road for John Gray at Arizona, at San Diego. But what do you make of this, Chris? His road ERA is 5.32. So I don't even know if that's a good thing at this point for John Gray. That's actually pretty consistent with his career, I think. I think he's been better uh, over the course of his career. Let me check that right now. Okay, not not quite as much. 449 ERA at home, 458 on the road. But uh, yeah, I think you feel pretty good about starting him with two starts on the road. You want to talk about a jag, Chris? <laughs> a four <clears throat> a four point five ERA on both at both home yeah, and on the road for your pretty career. Jaggy. It's pretty jaggy for for uh, for John Gray there. Dylan Cease or Chris Bassett? Who would you rather have rest of the season? Dylan Cease turns in a quality start on Wednesday. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, fourteen swinging strikes on ninety four pitches. However, each of his pitches had the spin rate drop between two hundred and forty. In 313 RPM for Dylan C. So that's now two starts in a row with uh, those spin rates way down for him. And then Chris Bassett, just another really good start. Seven shutout, seven strikeouts against the Rangers. He's got a 3.04 ERA on the season. Who would you rather have, Chris? Dylan Cease or Chris Bassett, rest of season? I think it's Chris Bassett. You look at the peripherals and they're pretty similar for both players. Um, Bassett might have a slightly lower uh, XFIP, but he's also shown the ability to, I don't know if I want to say outperform his peripherals, but that's what he's done the last couple of seasons at least. And his XERA is actually 327, which backs up his 325 ERA. So I, I think he's more reliable. Cease has more upside, but I would take Bassett. I, I think that's a good way to put it. I think Bassett, higher floor, Cease, higher ceiling, but the opposite for for each pitcher there. And it depends what you need. Like more strikeouts for Dylan Cease, but also more walks. Uh, Chris Bassett, over a strikeout per inning is actually pretty good. But I noticed we have Dylan Cease ranked all over the place. Scott has him at 30. I have him at 40, SP40. And you have him at SP63, Chris, for Dylan Cease. So it was just, it was interesting to see like how far, like all Might over the place. Might be too low, but. I will, I'll take the upside of Dylan Cease, but oh, man. Given these spin rates, I think it's it is super close between Cease and Chris Bassett. There's some vol- there's definitely some volatility there for Dylan Cease. Oh yeah, uh, would you rather Bobby Bradley or Adam Duvall? If you're just looking for power, Bobby Bradley had a double dong in Game One of his doubleheader. He now has eight home runs in 20 games this season. Adam Duvall went two for four with his 18th home run of the season. He's 55 percent roster. Chris, if you just need power, would you rather Bobby Bradley or Adam Duvall? I think it's Adam Duvall, mostly just because he's playing more consistently. I, I think Bobby Bradley is still you know, not quite playing every day. So I would take Duvall. You know who I actually like in Cleveland? Um, not necessarily as a big power source, but Harold Ramirez. He's been 
really solid this season. He's playing pretty much every day for Cleveland. That's former Miami Marlin great Harold Ramirez. Legend of <laughs> Miami Marlins. Yeah, Harold Ramirez batting 289 with six homers in 46 games. Also has two steals. You're right. He's he's been pretty solid. He hits. I might a be lot underselling Bobby Bradley a little bit now that I'm looking at the game logs. I thought he was taking. I thought he was getting more days off than this. Um, no, he he plays quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll still go with Duvall. I think it's, I, it's it, pretty close. It is close. I'll take Duvall as well, but it is close. Bobby Bradley. The one thing that stood out to me for him as a power hitter: fifty-three percent ground ball rate for Bobby Bradley and. Throughout his minor league career, he's hit a good amount of ground balls, too. So it's just kind of weird for Bobby Bradley. But when he connects, man, I mean, his home runs fly a long way. I have some waiver wire hitters here, Chris, and they are all over the board. So I'm just going to throw names your way, and you let me know if there's any format that you'd be looking to get them. Is it 12-team points? Is it 15-team roto? So on and so forth. Uh, We already brought up Jesus Sanchez, 39% rostered, seven home games next week. Where would you be looking to add Jesus Sanchez? Uh, any five outfielder, 12 teams or deeper. All right. How about JP Crawford? I bring his name up a lot. He's kind of empty batting average ish, but he went three for five with two runs scored on Wednesday in over his last 37 games. He's batting 329, four homers, two steals, 20 runs scored again. JP Crawford, 43% rostered anywhere. Chris 15 team route. That's about it. Mm, can't even get a 12-team roto out of J.P. Crawford, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you need batting average, he can <laughs> he can help you there. But like you said, it's it's pretty empty. Who is the antithesis of J.P. Crawford? If we can just <laughs> combine these two players, like you ever watch Dragon Ball Z, Chris? They do like the the fusion thing, like the psh- yeah, yeah. You you got to be careful because if you don't do the dance, you'll end up with Dylan Moore. <laughs> uh, you want me? Want okay? Yeah, should we do that? We just have to get like the uh, matching earrings. Should we do that? Should we get? Yeah. If you don't do it, if you don't play it right, the problem there is you might end up with Dylan Moore's plate discipline and yeah. JP Crawford's power. And that, that wouldn't work out. Oh, um, this is, this is good, man. We should find like more players like this that we want to fuse together. And, and what would they become? Uh, but Dylan Moore is that player because he does the opposite. He gives you no batting average and he gives you home runs and he gives you speed. And he went three for five with a sock and a shoe on Wednesday He's up to seven home runs and 13 steals in only 56 games. Mind you, he's batting 198. So the batting average is awful. But his pace, Chris, in terms of homers and speed, is actually really good. 41% rostered. Dylan Moore, anywhere? I think he's back in the 12-team the roto discussion. Yeah, okay, so him- you're Dylan Moore over J.P. Crawford? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Christian Walker went three for five. He's on a seven-game hitting streak. He has two home runs during that stretch. Shown flashes of being pretty viable the past couple of years. 24% rostered on Christian Walker. Yeah, I actually had him, you know, as like a top 20 first baseman during the season, but I, I think he's only 15 team rotos still. Garrett Hampson went four for five with two RBI, very quietly hit 338 in June, but he has been losing playing time a lot recently. He's only started four of the last 10 games. For the Rockies, 59% rostered is Garrett Hampson, Chris. 12-team rotos, but barely. Okay. You know, I think he's pretty fringy there, and it's just for speed. How about his teammate, Brendan Rodgers? Two for two with two more walks. He's batting 279. He's got an 813 OPS. He has four home runs since returning from the IL, 
but zero stolen bases. He was dealing with a hamstring injury yep. um, earlier, so they might not let him run very much. He is 45% yeah. roster, Brendan Rodgers. He was talking about wanting to steal 20 bases before the season, and I think the hamstring injuries just kind of derailed that. But who knows? Maybe he gets the the little all-star break to to get feeling a little better and and starts running after that. But definitely 12-team Roto Leagues. You know, as a as a middle infielder, I think he's he's in that discussion. I would I'll throw points leagues in there for any week that it's he's got a bunch of home games. Yes, I think you could stream Brendan Rodgers in a points league there. Uh, Garrett Cooper went three for four with two RBI. He basically plays every other day. Not very exciting. Anything here, Chris? Garrett Cooper? NL only. NL only. How about Gavin Sheets, who we spoke about yesterday? Back-to-back multi-hit games to start his career. He also hit his first home run of the season on Wednesday. 2% rostered. Yeah, probably AL only, and even that might be stretching it. All right, Andrew Vaughn added two hits in his seventh home run. He's 57% rostered. He's got six road games next week, though the matchups are pretty interesting. He's at Minnesota and at Baltimore, two very bad pitching staffs. Andrew Vaughn has been a huge disappointment this year, Chris. He's 57% rostered. If you look at his monthly batted ball data, it's all over the place. One month, way too many ground balls. One month, way too many fly balls. I think he's trying to figure things out. Yeah, I actually wrote about uh, Andrew Vaughn today. I wrote uh, a column just talking about the rookie struggles and you know which struggling rookies I would be willing to buy. And Andrew Vaughn is one of them. And and mostly it just comes down to he's showing a lot of skill. He's just not putting it all together yet. And the biggest issue so far has been plate discipline, which is surprising because you know we talked about him before the season as possibly being like a like an Anthony Rizzo type when it comes to play discipline, but he is hitting the ball really, really hard. And so, you know, it's the kind of thing where you just want to bet on talent, I think. And so I've hung on to him in my 12 team Roto leagues and I am, uh, you know, I, I think, think he's still worth rostering there. In keeper or dynasty buy, buy Andrew if Vaughn. If anybody yeah. is, Concerned about him. Some leftovers from Wednesday. Tyler O'Neill, nice little bounce back game, went three for four with two doubles and his sixth stolen base. The plate discipline has actually been much better for Tyler O'Neill in the month of June. The Babbitt Bandits were back at it again. Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds, they each had two hits. Reynolds hit his 14th home run of the season. Wander Franco went two for five with an RBI and his second stolen base. He also had a batted ball that was 109 miles per hour. So all right, slowly but good. surely, Wander Franco. Let's get him going here. JD yeah, Mart- another one of the rookies I'm absolutely buying. Yeah, JD Martinez must have heard us talking smack. He now has two home runs over his last four games. Uh, Luis Garcia was bad. Four innings, four runs, five strikeouts. Did have 14 swinging strikes. That was against the Orioles. And Joe Musgrove was also bad. He was at the Reds. Four innings, five runs, three strikeouts. Velocity. I want to pay attention to this across the board was down about one to two miles per hour for Joe Musgrove. Spin rates, no issues there, but velocity down a little bit. So Musgrove, throughout his career, someone who, when the fastball is like 93 miles per hour and up, he's good. Like he's, he's, yep. he's solid. But once it starts dipping like down to 92 miles per hour, that's when you start to get yourself in trouble here with Joe Musgrove. And Chris, you know, like I thought he was having like a bad stretch, and then I looked into it, and... I think he has three quality starts in a row. It feels like Musgrove's been worse than he has been recently, but this was like his legit, actually only bad start. 
So, I mean, his ERA is still sitting at 222. Yeah. He still has 103 strikeouts and 85 innings. His whip is still below 0.9. I definitely agree with you. It, it feels like he's fallen off, but his ERA is below three each month of the season. Well, I guess might not be for, it might not have ended up being below three for June. Let me take a look at that real quick. At 28.3. Yeah, 3.5 ERA in the month of June. So trending down 1.24, 2.84, 3.49. Still very good. Yeah. Um, if he maintains a, a mid three ERA with nine or 10 Ks per nine, I mean, that's still like a top yeah. 25 starting pitcher. So strikeout rate is down. That's that's the one thing is uh, below a strikeout per inning in the month of uh, June 27 and 28 and a third. Um Something to keep an eye on, you know, for for those of us who were hoping Joe Musgrove was making, you know, that true ace leap. I think he's more, I think he's more like a top 20-ish starting pitcher for me. I have him 15, so, you know, still outside of that ace tier. The call to the pen. Let's get some bullpen updates from Wednesday. And Alex Reyes talked about him yesterday. We'll talk about him again. He's now 20 for 20 in save opportunities this season. Continues to be... Awesome. For the Phillies, Hector Neris continues to not be awesome. He pitched in the sixth inning. He gave up three hits and two runs, which furthers Jose Alvarado's case for being the closer if he can just get things together himself. So we'll see what happens. The Phillies bullpen is always a roller coaster. For the Baltimore Orioles, Paul Fry pitched in the seventh and I believe he started the eighth inning and then Cole Sulcer came on and got his third save of the season. So there's been... Games where Solcer comes in in the fifth or the sixth, I think there's really no rhyme or reason to the Orioles' bullpen, and it's been that way as long as Brandon Hyde has been their manager. So I think in deeper leagues, you can roster both of them, Solcer and Paul Fry, but anything shallower than 15 teams, I probably would say don't even That's, that's the issue when you don't have good pitchers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hard to settle on on one when none of them are good. These guys have actually pitched well, Chris. I think it's more so yeah. just their starting pitchers are so bad. They get knocked out early in the game, and they have to use their good relievers earlier than they want to just to yeah. try and maintain a lead, which, you know, it's it's the Orioles. That's, that's what is going to happen. Though they have yeah. some awesome prospects on the way. Like, three years from now, the Orioles might be really, really good. For Oakland... Famous last words. <laughs> right. Uh, for Oakland, Lou Trevino got his 13th save of the season for the Mariners. Kendall Graveman pitched... Uh, recorded five outs acro- across the eighth and ninth innings. Drew Steckenrider got the save in the tenth inning. And then in that Angels and Yankees game, yeah. I mentioned the meltdown for Aroldis Chapman. I don't know what's going on with him. I really would not be surprised if they're not going to move him out of the closers role, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe for a week or two, they kind of just use him in lower leverage situations to try and get him back on track yeah. because Chad you know, he, really he's bad. dealt with injuries in the past. Um, you know, the past couple of years, there's been the knee. Um, did he have an arm injury at one point? I know the the knee was a recurring thing. So the knee was you know, always, he's just not 100% right now. You know, it wouldn't be surprising given the way he's pitching right now. And, you know, maybe he could use 10 days off. Chris, his June, or all this Chapman's June. Yeah. Well, how about this? We'll start with this. His April and May combined, he allowed one earned run. Yep. this Chapman's June, he allowed 12 runs, 11 of those earned, over eight and two-thirds innings pitched. Yeah, that's bad. 11.42 yeah. ERA, 
2.77 whip. If it makes you feel better, before tonight, it was only seven earned runs in like 8.1 innings. So it doesn't make me feel better, Chris. I, I, I think <laughs> that should make you feel better. I don't know what is yeah, going it's on. Been with rough. Um, it's been rough. Very bad. You know, three walks today and then the, the grand slam. That's, um, I don't know. He just, he doesn't look right right now. I kind of, I kind of want to cry because it's such a bad loss, man. Oh, they gave up seven runs in the ninth inning. It's so bad. Uh, anyway, Jeez, he's just eight walks over his last four outings now. Yeah. The sticky stuff, sticky stuff. No more for Rolls Chapman on the other mm-hmm. side, Jose, uh, Jose, Rysel Iglesias picked up his 15th save of the season, and he has been money since May on. So yeah, He's a buy-low candidate if anyone's worried about him. For sure. Wrap up with uh, to stream or not to stream here for Thursday. Johnny Cueto at the Diamondbacks. Dane Dunning at Oakland. Jordan Montgomery versus the Angels. Griffin Canning at the Yankees. J.C. Mejia versus the Astros. And Ryan Weathers at the Reds. Uh, I want to say I went with Cueto and Montgomery yesterday, so I'll stick with those two. Yeah, I there is not really a third one that I uh, feel great about here, and I have to do. This. I could see a decent outing from from Canning, um, but I wouldn't feel great about it for Friday to stream or not to stream. Let's run through some of the names here. Who do we got? Ba-ba-ba. How about Eduardo Rodriguez at the Oakland A's? Drew Smiley versus the Marlins. Zach Thompson opposing him. Against the Braves, we have anybody else here? Alec Mills, he stinks. Shane McClanahan at the Blue Jays. That's great pitcher, but rough matchup. Uh, JT Brubaker versus the Brewers. Adrian Hauser at the Pirates. Actually, some interesting ones. Logan Gilbert against the Rangers, too. I don't know what his roster rate is, but I would imagine it's not too high to be included in this. Um, Gilbert would probably be my favorite if he qualifies. Um I would guess Alec Manoa doesn't really qualify, but if he did, he would be up there. Um, Logan Gilbert is 70% rostered, so yeah, he's so, right, on, if he, right on the um, cutoff there. <laughs> I'm going to do it again. Alex Cobb, guaranteed quality start. Seven strikeouts, six innings, two earned runs allowed. Alex Cobb's going to shove it in all the haters' faces. He's going to be great. Actually, that is a revenge game against the Baltimore Orioles. So revenge game. He's going to do it. All right. If you say so, I think Drew Smiley is okay against the Marlins. I really don't want to use Shane McClanahan in that spot. I don't, I actually don't mind yeah. either of uh brew Baker or Adrian Hauser too. Like if you're just desperate actually, for a streamer, I you know what? Okay. I will say, what would pick you say up Chris? Shane McClanahan? Yes, you should. I think his like, roster whether you rate, start him now or not, yes. pick him up for this start. And leave him on your bench if you need to. Yes. Yes. To all of that. He should be. You should have him on your team. He should be 95% rostered. He should not be under 70%. It's one of the weirdest things that I have seen. All right, Chris, this is the last time that we're actually going to do a podcast together until I think Monday. Sixth. Yeah. The fifth. This Monday. Monday. All right. So we're not going to see you then. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thank you. The big three, three, big three, three. I'm actually turning 30 this year, too, so... Wow. I'm I'm entering the territory. Old man. Old man. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.